Craft Beer Radio 211, Friday the 13th. And welcome to Craft Beer Radio, where we are getting our weed on again. We have wit beers. Yeah, we already have the title for this one. Yes. It, it's very juvenile, but show us your wits. Show us your wits, everybody. So you already know that because you downloaded it, but we're, we don't know that. Yeah, normally we don't have the title until yeah. way after we're done. So, all right. I say we start with Belgium, or we start at least outside of the country, and then we come back home. Okay. We might as well start with the original. So we have the Hoogarden White. Uh, this is their premier flagship, and I guess the original white beer by Pierre Cellis. Four point nine percent alcohol by volume. You can. Oh, fl- Jesus! They tell you to use a frozen glass. They do. It says rich, rinse and freeze the Hoogarden hexagonal glass. Pour two thirds into glass. Swirl bottle. Pour rest to foam head. Well, at least they're telling you to put the yeast in. Yes. That's something that, that that we often wonder with wheat beers, uh, with with particularly whites. I mean, Hefeweizens, uh, basically, the the general rule is yes. Uh, but with wits, it's not always the case that you want to. So we'll have to do the same thing we did last time. I'm gonna, oh, you're gonna, okay, I see what you're doing. Jeff is putting it all into one glass and then just pouring it into his mixing I'm looking at the way they have a whole thing on on the uh, how they cook it, but I'm looking to see if that has any other extra information, and it doesn't seem to. Use your frozen hexagonal hoogarden glass. Yeah, I did look for hexagonal glasses. I only have one. I only have one. Yeah, so it wouldn't have uh, worked well for both of us. The Aroma is a grassy, uh, weedy aroma with uh, a bit of an orange. Yep. Beer pours very cloudy, pale, yellow, almost white, as the name would suggest. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Just a bit spicy. Mm-hmm. It was a very lovely aroma. One that... Uh, I think would not benefit by putting a lemon on it. No. I prefer it without. It has a little bit of lemony in the aroma, but the wheat and the spice, everything else, Greg said. Go on to the flavor. There's a little bit of tang there, a little citrusy blast up front, but it's it's kind of mellow. It's got this nice, creamy, um, creamy orange citrus texture. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has... It has kind of a sort of a sweet sour mix to it, right? So mm-hmm. it's got like uh, it's got a little bit of, of yin and yang going on, mm-hmm. which is always good. As as the Chinese, you know, as we know from from food, the Chinese love the balance of all the sweet and sour, the spicy and the right, whatever. But and there is some spice in here, just a bit, a little bit of coriander. The it's a little high in carbonation out of the bottle, but 
Here, I just I double poured mine. Try try out of my glass. Yeah, that's better. Mm-hmm. With a little with a little bit more agitation, you get some of that um, carbonation out. I, so I knew that would be a difference when I did it this way. Is yeah. you know yours would be different. Um, trick that Rick Sellers, you know, I don't know if he taught me, but he always orders an IPA and an empty glass. And he will pour it once, maybe twice, to get it to be more like a cask ale in carbonation before mm-hmm. he drinks it. If you really dislike carbonation, I say I like carbonation. Mm-hmm. I don't think it works as well for this beer because I think that some of the more subtle things are kind of mm-hmm. lost. But uh, an IPA, I, I want it to scrub a little bit some of that bitterness. Yeah, yeah. But he, him, and his buddies, um, Big Mike, and uh, I know Big. I saw when I was up there. At Berry Public with them, I remember, you know, Big Mike doing the same thing where they get the glass, the beer, and the, I can't remember if they pour it in the one or if they pour it in the one and then back, but they, they definitely agitated to get a lot of carbonation out. You would really miss out by putting this in a frozen glass because there's some really nice flavors here. Yeah. Yeah, it would just taste, it would, yeah, it would wash out so much if it was kept that cold. I guess, you know, that's what the market dictates when you get that big. Yeah. Really is a shame. Yeah, I mean, Hoogarden, you know, some people, we thought, you know, and we were surprised the first time we did a Whitbeer show with Hoogarden on it. We didn't expect much from Hoogarden. We didn't expect much from Blue Moon. And they both uh, fared pretty well in the rankings. Um, I think it's really, it's a really generally delightful beer. It really has... Nice kind of bright essence to it. Mm-hmm. Great flavors. Um, just it, it just tastes, you know, really well done. There's no flaws at all. Yeah, I mean, there's no rough edges. It's just enjoyable. Or some yeah. some wheat, wheat beers, whip beers, you know, we might have some tonight where, you know, there's just this rough edge or a little gritty or something. They're just not drinkable. This one's like, you know, give me another one. Yeah. And at 4.9, you know, just teetering above the edge of sessionable. But, um mm-hmm. Decent. You can have uh, you know one or two of these without getting two and over your head. So there's one thing that AB and Bev didn't screw up. <laughs> Indeed. We're gonna do another beer from Belgium. This one is brewed by Bavik. This is Wittekirk. All right. So. <laughs> Winterkirk women know why. <laughs> Apparently, I'm just reading on their site. I'm trying to find more about their beer, and not getting much. But they have something about uh, a Miss Belgium who likes Winterkirk. So there you go. Now this is five percent alcohol by volume. It's uh, is that a three hundred thirty milliliter or is that it's a five hundred milliliter five hundred milliliter bottle? 11.2 fluid ounces. Whitaker is a fictitious name for a typical Flemish town, like we find hundreds of villages in Flanders with the name ending on Kirk or Capel. Uh, it means white in English. That's the translation for the name is White Church. I see. So, so Kirk is like Ville or Berg, but you know, named it like 
traditionally, I guess, would be named after the church. Kerkis Church. Yeah. Yeah, so... But, you know, you would presume that different towns would be, you know, Greg's Church and Jeff's Church and things like that. So this is the white church. There is... um, Let's see, the Bavik Brewery is a long time. Blah, blah, blah. blah. The producer of the Belgian sitcom Whittakirk airing twice a week on primetime on Belgian TV channels. The actors drink Whittakirk during the show. Wow. That's a soap right there. Yeah, that's, that, that is a soap. I mean, that you know, that's an old 40s soap where they use the product in the show and stuff like that. Yeah. The, the product is... That's amazing. <laughs> that... That is synergy. That is corporate synergy for you. That's something we could review on Craft Beer Radio. <laughs> I don't know whether the humor would translate. <laughs> you know I'm going to look for it, though. Yes, go for it. All right, so it's this pours much the same way. It is very, very cloudy, very pale, yellow straw to, to white. Here's what they say here. Whitaker is always served cold, but in taking your time to enjoy it, you will find more flowery and spring flavors towards the end of your glass. So nice. at least they're not going the, the Who Garden route. Right. They're telling you, let it warm. Yeah, and another one that's, you know, you see why they call it white ale, because mm-hmm. it is um, really, you know, it's teetering on the edge of, of becoming sort of a creamy lemonade. Yeah. Color. The rum on this one, it, it's much the same. You get some wheat, you get some of the spiciness, but another thing you get that I didn't get from the Who Garden is kind of a Pilsner malt aroma. I'm getting something that's a little more grassy, a little more bready. Um, Let's say 25% wheat malt in combination with barley. So maybe there's more There's more wheat in the in the Who Garden, possibly. Yeah, yeah. Who Garden's probably much higher than 20, uh, yeah, up to 50%, I would think, where yeah, the Whittikirk has has more barley in it. And it has that lagery type aroma to it. <coughs> Excuse me. Took a sip at the wrong time. <laughs> Had a cough coming on and the liquid mm. was already entering my mouth. So in contrast to the Who Garden, it doesn't have quite the kind of creaminess that the Who Garden has. Uh, the flavor is a little bit sweeter, uh, more towards the lemon than the orange. Mm-hmm. Uh, spice is not as prominent. Really? I would say it's a... Really? I'd say it's a lot more coriander in the flavor than in the Who Garden. I was saying, you know, the two main notes on this one is this one's a lot more lagery. Okay, wait, wait, I, you're right about... It's... Okay, you're right. Um, the coriander is pretty heavily... But I, I'm thinking, when I was thinking spice, for, I said the wrong word. Pepperiness. That okay. was not as prominent. Okay. Uh, there was more pepperiness in the, in the Who Garden, more of a phenolic hit. Yeah, the two things that really stood out for me is this one is more lagery or pilsnery, and it's more coriander. You know, it's like turn those two notes up. Yeah, and uh, it definitely seems like a lager compared to the Who Garden, which is more ale-like. It yeah. just has a feel where it's a little bit crisper, and it's not as creamy. It doesn't have that almost kind of playful, sweet and sour edge that Who Garden has. Yeah, no, it doesn't have any of that sour tang to it, really. Yeah. There's too much barley malt to give it that tang, that wheat tang, I guess. But, uh, I think it's, um, 
yeah, and it has a little bit of a lageriness to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that underlying the yeast is pretty good. I think that you know because you, you really do taste the the yeast. That's one of the primary flavors here, and I think there you know I think there's some really nice flowery flavors that come up at the end, and uh, some kind of rosy, mm-hmm. uh, potpourri esque kind of flavors. Yeah, that, that works. Maybe dandelion greens. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Something floral. I don't know. Dandelion greens are pretty bitter. I would. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff uh, cut his finger cutting dandelion greens. That's why it's yeah. big. Yeah, five stitches and and piece of my fingernail that I won't see again for quite a while. <laughs> <laughs> how is it? I didn't. I didn't ask you. How is it typing on that? I don't type with it. I've it took me about a day, but I type with nine fingers. So my middle finger does yeah. a lot of the index finger work now. Uh, makes my wrist hurt. I can see that. Um, but I'm getting almost as fast. More, I do make more typos, but I'm almost as fast. But yeah, I got to take more breaks because my wrist gets sore. So it'll be nice if I can get back to ten finger typing. <laughs> and I moved my touchpad from the right side of my keyboard to the left side which helped out too um again actually with the with a trackpad with like magic trackpad i don't miss not having my pointer finger at all but again it does fatigue me holding my finger up over the trackpad all day long i mean there's no problem using my middle finger well, is, is that's not going to track i mean it's, it's just cloth right it's not going to well yeah I, to I, conduct I, yes you're right i could i could rest it on the trackpad and use my other fingers but it just doesn't work. Your brain doesn't work that way. Well, you should. You should know that. You should know that that that's not going to hit a capacitive touch screen, a capacitive touch sensor. It's not. I going know to... that, but my fingers don't know that. My fingers do their own mousing. I guess. It is. It is hard to get. You know, your point. You're you're so used to using your pointer, so you get to lose the impact of having one of those. It's an adjustment, mm-hmm. but at least it's not your primary hand, right? Yeah. It's it's yeah. his right hand, which is not his primary hand. Yeah, uh, he's like a I said, crazy lefty. The, the trackpad mousing isn't a problem. It's really the typing. the The, the first day, like I was joking, like I, I think I said to Damien, "I'm like Jeff, no nuance." <laughs> <laughs> All right, that was the Whitaker. That was nice. Um, Another one that's you know supremely drinkable. Yeah, I like how you know. Part of me likes how it had that little blast of coriander, and then part of me thought it was overdone. I'm not sure where I, where I draw the line because there's a lot. And a couple sips it was nice. A couple sips it was like, eh. the uh, yeah, the 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 augury part. Yeah, it was I okay, think a couple. If you had like a couple of them, then the coriander might get a little overbearing. It could, or you'd get numb to it. Yeah, that's true too. Okay, let's go with the next biggest brand we got. Let's oh, what, the is one. the monks with? Is that made here? It's made in New Mexico, okay. but it's kind of made by monks. All right. <laughs> so the uh, next largest brand here we have is uh, the Blue Moon. Uh, this is uh, the Coors Brewing Company. Owns Blue Moon Brewing. Uh, so They are Blue Moon Brewing. They are? Yes. I thought it's a separate brewery that's like owned. No, and, it's owned. just a commercial. Okay. Uh, let's see. It's white wheat, oats, coriander, and orange peel. And 
Best when garnished with a slice of orange to bring out the natural spices and subtle fruit flavor. Well, we're not going to have it as best, I suppose. Why an orange? Because they didn't want it to be a lemon like everyone else. Is that is that really why? It's marketing, Greg. <laughs> they need to differentiate themselves from the market. So, hey, let's use an orange. I don't know why they just didn't go for, like, grapefruit or something. I mean, then why does Shock Top use an orange? Because they want to confuse you with Blue Moon. <laughs> well, the color is not white. It is... Uh, I mean, it's whiter than an amber ale, right? But it looks like you know, it looks a lot closer to most wheat beers. Yeah, it's a golden color. I mean, maybe there's a little white tint there, but I mean, when you see the Who Garden, you actually get what they yeah. mean when they say white beer, because you wouldn't think a beer would be that white. Holy fruit! Smells really orangey. Mm-hmm. I think they put a lot of orange peel in this. Um, they definitely mentioned cor- uh, coriander. Now they say on their ingredients white wheat, oats, coriander, orange peel. There must be barley in here. Yeah. I don't know why they're not saying so. It's probably just a given. Like we talked last time about percentages of barley. You know, it's yeah. probably 50% barley. Or close to it. I don't know if... Would a wheat wine have be an all wheat beer? It would have higher percentages. We talk, remember I talked about how the, you have problems with sparging when you yeah. start using more and more wheat. But you could use you know some other kind of filler like rice hulls to to get the sparge done. Um, I think wheat wine could. I don't know. Never brewed one, so I don't know what is traditional, or what works. I mean, it's typically a very wheated beer, but it's also high in alcohol beer. Yeah, and probably much of that. Gravity comes from barley, so I'd be curious to see. I mean, with today's technology, they certainly could make 100% wheat beer. Yeah, we talked about how uh, you know I've heard basic brewing do it, and some other ones just turns into a goopy mess if you're not careful. So. Yeah, but I mean, you can just push that through a, a sieve or compress it and squeeze out all the you stuff. Could. Or you could just buy wheat extract. Yes. Yeah, we had this conversation last week, so let's not spend some too much, too much time on it. Let's get back onto the beer. Well, it's got... Hmm. Actually, it's hoppier than I expected. Um... So it it starts with a with a pretty. I have another sip here because I'm having a little bit of a hard time getting getting adjusted. Now you told me there's oats, but I'm thinking I can taste the oats in this thing. It has a nice gooey, creaminess to mm-hmm. it. So the body definitely suggests oats. It, it there's not a ton of barley in the flavor, but there's some to balance out. It's a good mix. It doesn't have that tang, that sweet and sour tang like like the Who Garden does. You know, that, I think that's what we're gonna we're gonna be chasing. That's the dragon we're gonna be chasing the rest of the night. I think. I wanna. Uh, can you try to get some some yeast in mine? Sure. I try. I mean, this is a bomber, so yeah, it's, it's a bomber, be... so it's hard to. We didn't get a full, you know, the full blast of it, but 
I'm just trying to because I think there is some of that some of that uh, sweet and sourness in here actually it's not as pronounced but uh, okay so that adds a little bit more fruity. uh, fruitiness and a little bit more coriander to to the Mm -hmm. the mix it actually kind of lowers some of the sourness that I was tasting (laughs) It's a little the, the the fruit is a little subdued here, but like I said, I mean I actually taste it, it's I think it's the hoppiest one we've had tonight. I think I'm I'm tasting something resiny. I'm not really getting anything that's too hoppy. Um, it's I mean it's not it's, it's not even a pale ale hoppy. I'm just saying that yeah, yeah I, I'm not really picking anything that's you know really notable notably hops though. You know I'm I'm really dialed into. The, the malt bill on this thing because you can taste the different parts you can taste the barley component you mm-hmm. can taste the oak component you can taste the wheat component it's a nice balance on the on the flavors it's you know pretty fruity a little little spicy but you know the coriander is not as prominent as the last two beers I was uh, a little disappointed because it was hard for me to find lots of wits. Mm-hmm. I had to go to two places to find uh, the wits that we got. Um, we had one extra one. We had the uh, the blackberry wit from uh, yeah, Sam a, Adams. There was a couple other wits at the at one for the road too. There was no, uh, I didn't. There's Waltz Wit from Philadelphia Brewing. Did not see it. And there was White Lightning from Full Pint. I saw both those there tonight. I must have so. missed them. I asked if there were any other wits, and the guy said, oh, we don't have any. They were there. <laughs> That's okay. We got enough. I like to be thorough. Oh, man. So, that was the Coors version of a uh, Belgian white. We should move on to the Budweiser version. The ABMBA version, who has a thing for the end of the world, apparently. Apparently, that's on their website. They have something about the end of the world, so drink shock top. I I don't know. <laughs> There's a Mayan guy standing in New York City holding a <laughs> bottle of shock top. That's their that's their marketing thing, and you know, Budweiser or Imbev. AB and Bev, all about marketing over over substance. Let's hope they make the beer well. So this is huh, won, a, won a gold North American Beer Awards in 2006. Uh, it won a bronze in 2007. Both times it was entered as a spring heat spiced wheat. Oh, yeah, spring heat spiced wheat. That's right. To go with bourbon's winter's casket. Mm-hmm. So this has won awards. And you know, that's the interesting thing about uh, awards um, that are given out at Beer Fest is that they're, the, the beers are unlabeled. So people have to make their own judgments. 
so people don't just you know say ah oh, it's a it's a Budweiser beer I'm not going to consider it. We should have our own beer awards. <laughs> I thought we we used to kind of do something along those lines. We used to have our top ten. All right, but we should have like send us your beers. We'll taste them blind. And <laughs> I don't know if I don't know if the you know at least North American beer awards. I never heard of it actually. Yeah, neither have I. That one sounds kind of. Um... <laughs> sounds like North American Beer Awards out of St. Louis, Missouri. Yeah, at least that sounds better than Craft Beer Radio Awards. <laughs> so this this one is whiter than the uh, Blue Moon. It is, but uh, still a little bit more on the orange side than the Who Garden. Uh, it has another orangey. This apparently is mixed with uh, real orange lemon and lime peels. Oh wow! So they they put a bunch of different citrus in here. It's interesting. I didn't even I didn't realize that previously. And now that I'm, now that I know what I'm smelling, I can kind of I think I can smell the lime. I think it's more prominent in the taste, even. Yeah, and it's not as good. I think that having that combination of citrus, I think it's it sounds interesting, um, but it, it more confuses the flavor than, um, than than brings out the brightness. Because actually, you know what it does? It does have that the lime gives it something slightly reminiscent of a Corona and lime yeah. type flavor too. Which is not a good beer connotation, that, <laughs> at least for beer geeks. You know, you don't yeah. want them to think, "Oh, it's a good summertime Corona lime beer." And I, I think the, the idea is interesting to to, to mix a, a couple citrus things together, but mm. I think it in practice muddles some of that citrusiness that you're getting. Instead of giving you a pronounced flavor of a particular type, you're getting this this mixture of lime, which it's the peel, so you're not going to get any pithiness. But you are getting getting pulled in, in several different directions with the sourness, with with the with, with the citrus flavors. Uh, the the lime tends to kind of pull you in in, in a in a it's a little bit brighter, but also uh, a, a little more acidic. And uh, mm-hmm. you know the lemon is is uh, again more acidic, but not nearly as bright. It's it's more subdued. And the orange is a. Um, I wonder how a mojito with beer would work out. No, a wheat beer with lime and mint. And mint? Oh, no, I had a mojito yesterday. And the only complaint I had about the mojito was that it... I, mean, I, I love mojitos. I think they're great. But they serve them in such tiny glasses that you don't ever really get that much. <laughs> or you could, take, you could take a whip beer, brew with lime and mint, and then age it in a, uh, a rum cask. <laughs> right. Coriander is there, but I just I'm getting more confused than anything else by by the different flavors. It's not bad, but compared to the, the rest of them, it doesn't have the same kind of cohesion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just it's that fruitiness. It's it doesn't really taste too wheaty. You know, there's mostly barley type flavors there.
All right, uh, I'm going to move on to Monk's Wit, which is a beer from the Abbey Beverage Company, LLC, out of Pecos, New Mexico, under special agreement of Moriarty, New Mexico. I was on their website because it sounds like a DBA, you know, some, some breweries brewing a beer under contract. Uh, it's a little more complicated than that. It's the Monastery of Christ in the Desert. Well, kind of, right? Because Abbey Beverage Company is the, Benedictin- the Benedictine monks of the monastery and desert of not-for-profit corporation control 84% of the Abbey Beverage Company. Uh, a separate for-profit corporation, St. Luke's Corporation. What's that? Is the... Uh, so, uh, they do the legal structure, apparently. But, like, it says... Um, you know, it's a small... They have a small-scale brewery at the monastery, and then a nearby microbrewery brews more of their beer. Um, then... Yeah, they have a half-barrel brewery at the monastery, but it can be expanded to five or seven barrels. Uh, see, it, they say it's to assure that all taxes are paid by the brewery as opposed to paid by the monastery. Because right, right. the monastery in America, you don't tax, I guess, I don't know if it's just, if it's, <laughs> I know American law, but religious institutions don't get taxed. But if they were to sell something, then, then that might go against regulation. Mm-hmm. So it, they have an experimental hop yard in New Mexico, which sounds fascinating. It sounds Maybe some parts of New Mexico aren't desert. They pray over their hops. Well, you know, it's called Christ in the Desert Monastery uh-huh. in New Mexico. You wouldn't think it'd be a great environment for growing hops, but but who knows? Uh, monks directly control and are actively involved in the operation of the brewery and the hop yard. Head brewer, the head brewer is highly experienced professional brewer Brad Kraus, who is also partial owner of Abbey Beverage Company, and sits on the board of directors. Um. So the monks control, but you know they're not the head brewer. So it's, it's some kind of interesting mix of business and and monastic something or another's. And so five and one percent alcohol by volume. An SRM. Finally, I have an SRM here. Three point seven. That's a uh, very light. In case you're curious. Uh. So sort of a pale whitish color. Um, it is uh, 19 IBUs, English noble hops, European yeast, Indian coriander, Spanish sweet orange peel, Belgian malt, and unmalted wheat and oats are used in the brewing process. This beer is not bottle conditioned or anything. There's huh. no swirling to be had. So it's it's almost like a crystal Weizen, right? I mean, it's not crystal clear. It's not highly filtered, but it's pretty clear. It's um, it's nearly a freckle beer. I, I I think they might have used like a loose, some kind of loose filter on this, yeah. right? Because it's it's crazy clear for a wheat beer. The suggested serving temperature is very cold. Very cold. Thirty nine to forty degrees Fahrenheit. Oh I, oh, I thought you. I thought literally it said very cold. No, but that's that's pretty cold. Mm-hmm. Four to seven degrees centigrade. That's smell. Asparagus pea. 
<laughs> yeah, no, yeah. No. No. Okay. No. It's a funny image. I swear I smell asparagus pee. No. I I'm just getting weedy. Um maybe a little bit OD. And uh, and grassy. And I've had my share of asparagus, like I said, over the past couple of weeks, so mm-hmm. I know asparagus pee and I smell it. I don't know, I'm, taste, um, I'm tasting asparagus also. You're, you're t- not asparagus pee, I hope. Oh, no, because I don't know exactly what asparagus pee tastes like. Okay, I, have, I could wager some guesses. <laughs> Can you but... imagine if it was the most delicious thing in the world, because <laughs> we never knew? <laughs> How are we going to find out? <laughs> I'm not willing to. Um, I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to. It's not a horrible flavor or aroma, but that's that's what my brain says. I'm smelling. Maybe I'm having a stroke. Interesting is that they uh, consider this a gruet because it is not brewed with hops. Really? Yes. I thought. I thought you had to put at least a token amount of hops. Maybe they do, but I—that's I, one of those stupid TTB rules. You got to put some hops in there, even if it's like just a little sprinkle. Okay, maybe I'm maybe I'm misreading. Let me read this whole thing because it implies it, but it's out and out say it. Uh, it is it, it is descendant from medieval beers which were brewed not with hops but with gruet as a preservative and a source of flavor, since gruet was a blend of spices and other plants. Today, the gruet consists most mainly of coriander, sweet, and bitter orange, and other spices. Most modern wit ales also use hops. No, they. I don't. I don't read that as saying there's this hop-free. They say again. Let me read that part. Today, the gruet consists mainly of coriander, sweet, and bitter orange, and other spices. That sounds to me like they're talking about this beer, or shall I say, gruet? Called a nail on the label, which means it has to have hops in it. Legally, legally, huh? Well, legally, it has to be radioactive too. But <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm past the asparagus pee. I won't talk about that anymore. Okay. It's interesting. It tastes more wheaty. Has a little more tang than the last couple beers. You know what it tastes kind of? And I wonder if this is just me knowing that it's New Mexico. Sandy? <laughs> yeah, I'd have to... <laughs> kind of deserty? I mean, just kind of like... beat Or maybe just beachy? You know, just sort of like... <laughs> there's something... I don't know. I mean, it's a pretty dry beer. Dusty right? about it, right? It's pretty dry. Yeah. You know, there's not too much sweet. And the last two beers we had were pretty sweet, so this one's a lot drier. Um, I can see how you like that makes you think tumbleweeds and stuff, but <laughs> uh, they say uh, made with care and a prayer. And you see a um, looks like a. I can't tell if that's two row or six row barley. 
It's two row. It's two row on top of uh, the sun. Over a picture of the sun, and the sun is shining through. See how the they're arranged like a herringbone? Yes. Like two rows, where six rows is more in a like hexagonal pattern. Yeah. So it would look more like a, a pineapple or something like that. You know, six row. So for those who are curious, there are two types of barley. There's two row and six row barley. Six row obviously gives you more. They're smaller. But they're smaller. smaller beads. But they have higher diastatic yeah. power, though. So you could use those with things that don't have enzymes to convert, like uh, corn or yeah. rice. So uh, six row is typically uh, used in those American premium loggers, you know, adjunct loggers. Generally less expensive than the two row. Yeah. Which is... Um, so it's a little bit larger, but you still get slightly less uh, the barley corns out of it. Uh, almost all craft beer is two, is two row. row. Now, if if a craft brewer is brewing, you know, a classic American pills or something like that, they'll use six row. But they don't put... I'm hard-pressed to think of any brewery that would put, you know, six row in their pale ale or their okay. Vienna lager or anything. If they're doing a classic American pills or cream ale or something like that, they might use six row, but it's pretty limited in the craft beer world. Fair enough. So would you see that then in other applications or is it mostly feed? Um, yeah, like I said, the adjunct lagers, um, I don't know what else would be used for. Grape nuts? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. I kind of, I kind of actually like the label here. Right? There's, there's something about so it being the just monks, a picture. That, the Abbey Brewing, they make it triple, and uh, an Abbey Ale also. I've had neither. They have a weird distribution pattern. Um, without actually seeing a map, this sounds very scattered, but but maybe um, maybe it's a nice sweep through the south. Wait, where'd that go? Um, can't find oh here they are here it is it's uh arizona colorado louisiana new jersey pennsylvania new mexico oklahoma and texas it's it's kind of so new mexico texas oklahoma right there louisiana Louisiana right here colorado yeah colorado's close okay so it's a it's a it's close then i guess new jersey pennsylvania are a little oddballs, but yeah, they have out. plans to expand into Delaware, Maryland, and D.C. So, yeah, they kind of have an East Coast beachhead. Speaking of East Coast beachheads, we talked about how Sierra Nevada, and I think we talked about New Belgium, both opening breweries in Asheville. Right. Lagunitas is opening a brewery in Chicago. Okay. So, so all these breweries, I mean... I don't have a real point other than it's a lot of big breweries are opening up. You can't get w- weed as easily in Chicago. I mean, we know Lagunitas is a <laughs> huge was, weed smoking. See, I, as soon as I saw the news, I was trying to figure out what Twitter joke to put about Chicago, Lagunitas, and weed. 
Um, but I just couldn't get anything concise and, yeah. and, and pointy enough just to, to get it out there. So I didn't do the tweet. But you were right where I was thinking when I first heard about it. <laughs> yeah, Lagunitas is, is is the brewing company that I most associate with marijuana. <laughs> uh, I mean, because it, it's I mean it, it is a a part of their history. Uh, their their underground shutdown ale you know, was yeah. uh, was there because they got shut down for just smoking it up all the time in their brewery, <laughs> and they made this bitter, this hugely bitter IPA. <laughs> All right, on to our last beer of the night, which is uh, a double white, the Southampton double white. It is, um, let's see here. Oh, come on. Have me enter in my year of birth again. Yes, in case you're wondering. Session expired. You might have, might not, you might be your kid trying to get onto the website after you have left your computer open. In case you're wondering, the uh, the date I always enter is January 1st, 1950. 1950? Yes. I'm why, old why not like 1471? Because <laughs> they don't usually accept that. Because if you're, if you're 18 years old, you're too dumb to figure out an appropriate, reasonable year. Okay, so uh, it, it's, it's double... In terms of you know ingredients, but not quite in terms of alcohol. Six point six percent alcohol by volume, eighteen IBUs, unmalted wheat. Uh, we talked uh, on a show a, a while ago about we were initially surprised when we learned that uh, wheat that's used in these beers is almost always unmalted. Um, but it's just how it's used. Mm-hmm. Uh, so unmalted wheat, extra pale barley malt, and flaked oats. A lot of these beers seem to contain oats. Coriander, orange peel, and lemon peel are added. Uh, Nugget and Mount Hood are the hops. That should be interesting. That should be a little bit of a... uh, I mean, especially Nugget hops are pretty pretty strong. Mm -hmm. And uh, carefully selected Belgian yeast strain, they say. Beer pour is pretty clear, even with a little swirly swirl. It is... uh... Oh, wait a second. There is some kind of gunk on the bottom of the bottle. It must be glued on or something, because I did agitate. Yeah, I mean, as it currently sits, it's uh, it's freckle-ized. Hmm. Yeah, the aroma is different than anything we've had tonight. It has that imperial-type aroma. It has a little high-gravity sweetness to it, a little... Yes. If not boozy, leading up to boozy... Yeah, getting there. Getting on that track. Little bit of what you taste in some you smell in some wheat wines where it's just that double wheat. It it's it doesn't smell like a single wheat, because a single wheat can kinda of be that lemony, tangy uh thing where the double wheat it doesn't. It gets into this caramelized sweetness. Like um I'm trying to think what maybe if you could imagine kind of like a a weeded molasses or or something you know like molasses I don't want to use molasses be, but I kind of do that's hard to say uh, it does have a sweetness they said it tastes it has a, a sweetness that's kind of sort of reminiscent of what you might get in a barley wine um just the, it's like you know a lot of grains are being used mm-hmm. here, 
but just simply because of the fact that there's a lot of wheat in here, it's not nearly as as high in alcohol, only 6.6%. Strong coriander, very strong. Actually kind of pleasing to end the, you know, normally I'm not a big fan of, of, of this because I think it's kind of a coriander bomb, but actually I think it's it's the right beer to sort of end the night on. The the flavor though it's it's a little rough around the edges it it there's not too much other than the booziness coriander the 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 malt is like it's almost like it was fermented out or something it's like there's not much body there there's not much yeah. creaminess it's You're kind right. of kind of hollow. So like I said, it's a little boozy. The fruitiness is hard to distinguish. Um, mostly the sweetness from the malts are coming through. There's a little bit of um, some kind of minor tartness in the background. Uh, Nugget and Mount Hood hops, I wouldn't know. I mean, they're um, pretty pretty well hidden, probably just there as bittering agents. Almost tastes like an adjunct beer, like where they use some kind of just sugar to kind of get the alcohol up, right? It's kind of how that thin body doesn't really taste like whiny or cidery or anything, but it's just such a thin body. Mm. I disagree with you there. Not, it's not. It doesn't seem thin to me. It uh, it seems full enough. It just it it's it's sweet. It's 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 ending the night on a sweet note for me, which is uh, excuse me, which is sort of um, it's nice as sort of a dessert. In a sense, uh, I'm liking that's, but I don't think it 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 pairs up with the other beers. I think it 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 sort of it pales in comparison to most of the other beers. Mm-hmm. You want to do some ranking? Yeah. All right, I'll go first. Uh, number one beer has got to be the Who Garden. It's a it's a classic, and uh, even though AB Imbev brews it. And you think that such a giant beer company can't make a good beer. They managed not to screw this up. Um, it's good. It's really good. I'm, I'm hard-pressed to think of a, a wit beer that I enjoy better than that one. Number two. I'm going to put the... Um, I guess I'll put the Whittakirk. It's tight. Whittakirk and or it's kind of a three-way for the uh, for the hey, second spot. There you go. I, I like the Whittakirk, the Monk's Wit, and the Blue Moon all very close together. Um, I'll put it. I'll put the Monk's Wit third. Um, it probably would have been second if it wasn't for that asparagus pea part up front, but it, it dissipated. So I'll put it three, blue moon four. I'll put... I think I'm going to have to put the shock top in front of the Southampton, actually. Southampton wasn't working for me tonight. Um, typically it doesn't work for Greg, and I'm not too hard on it when we taste it, but uh, tonight not so much. Jeff is going to write as I will rank. Uh, I agree with Jeff definitely on number one. The Who Garden is uh, is 
still the best of the night. Um, still one of the best wheat beer wheat beers out there. Uh, the classic, and um, just a beautifully done, beautifully done beer. And you will not go wrong by having a whole garden, not at all. Number two may shock you a little bit, but I'm going to put the Blue Moon as number two. Uh, I I really didn't like the flavors that were coming out of the Blue Moon, and I felt that um, they they really worked. They worked well. Uh, it it gave um, it, it pretty much didn't match the Garden, but it was uh, it was nice. It was really nice. Whitaker uh, just nipping its heels at number third, number three. Uh, it had more of a coriander bent, as I remember, um, and it had a little bit of a, had that nice floral bit at the end, which I liked a lot. Fourth, the monk's wit. The uh, I I actually liked the sort of deserty <laughs> kind of flavor. I don't know whether that was just knowing it was New Mexico or the the interesting picture on the bottle or tasting something, but whatever it was, I appreciated it and. I uh, and that goes along with it, right? I mean, if there's something about it that you can pull out and, and enjoy, go for it. So number five, shock top. I I I still think that they would have that they would be better served by cutting out maybe the lime and the lemon and just going with an orange or um, cutting out the orange and just going with lemon. Keep the lime out of there. Uh-huh. And yeah, the Southampton. I mean, I I kind of liked it at the end. I liked it as sort of an aperitif, but uh, it, it didn't help. It didn't hold up well against the other wit beers. But it was a double wit, so. Gotcha. The um, what did I want to? Oh, we'll talk about that in the post show. I made an observation when I was typing on your computer, but it's a post show thing. We won't talk about that now. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to Craft Beer Radio. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That's all I More thanks. That's all I have to say about uh, that. <laughs> well, we should just keep thanking them or maybe just end it. Because it'll just be a thank you going on for 30 or 40 more minutes. So. Thank you for listening to Craft Beer Radio. If you have questions or comments, you can email us at beer at craftbeerradio.com. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. Visit craftbeerradio.com for more information. The opening and closing music is Last Hurrah, the band The Lights Out. You can listen to more of their music at their website, thelightsout.com. Some people get a longer fuse. Some people's shoulders are big enough for the abuse. They never say what you can't hear